Hey, before we jump into the podcast, just want to give a quick reminder, if you're new here to the Holistic Nootropics podcast, to please just take a quick second and subscribe to the podcast. It takes literally a second to do. Just hit the subscribe button right there in your podcast player. Also, if you want to help us out, head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave a five-star review. Now, if you're more of a visual person, you like to actually watch the podcast, you can actually do that over on the Holistic Nootropics YouTube page. Just go to youtube.com, search Holistic Nootropics, You'll see our page pop up. Subscribe to that. Hit the little bell icon so you can get notified every single time new videos drop because we don't just do podcasts over there. We do product reviews. We do all kinds of nootropic and biohacking and holistic health topical videos. So go on over, check us out on the Holistic Nootropics YouTube page. And for all things nootropics, nutrition, and biohacking related, go on over to holisticnootropics.com. Okay, let's jump into the podcast. You're listening to the Holistic Nootropics Podcast, your home for holistic, evidence-based cognitive enhancement strategies. And now your host, Eric Levi. Hey, what is going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Holistic Nootropics Podcast, where we discuss using nootropics, biohacking, and nutrition to help you boost your cognition. My name is Eric, and today on the podcast, I have Kayla Osterhoff. Now, before I jump into the podcast, I just want to give a quick reminder, if you're new here to the podcast or the YouTube channel and you enjoy what you're listening to or you think you might enjoy it and you haven't gotten quite into the podcast yet, go ahead and subscribe. And if you're on YouTube, hit that little uh, bell icon so it can notify you every single time a new video pops up in your feed. Also, if you enjoy the video, give it a big thumbs up. If you are listening on Apple iTunes and you enjoy the podcast, leave a review on Apple iTunes. And speaking of which, uh, I've actually partnered with the Biohacking Congress, which is a two-day biohacking conference in Miami, Florida, the second weekend or the third weekend of October. Actually, our guest today, Kayla, is going to be a speaker at that um, at that conference. And we've partnered with them, and they've actually given me 50 free tickets, uh, virtual tickets, to give to the Holistic Nootropics listener. So if you want one of those tickets, to attend this two-day conference going on with some of the top biohacking, health and wellness, holistic nutritional speakers and minds in the industry. You can get that from me. All you got to do is leave a five-star review over on Apple Podcasts. Take a screenshot of that. Send that over to me at info at holisticnootropics.com and I will shoot you over a free two-day pass, virtual pass to the Biohacking Congress. Okay, we're set. Kayla. Welcome to the Holistic Nootropics Podcast. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited for this conversation. I'm very excited for this conversation, um, you know, because I was looking over, you know, your bio, and we've gotten to know each other a little bit here just before the podcast, and I'm, I'm so interested in what you're doing and this movement you're creating. It seems like it's kind of like a little mini revolution going on in the health and wellness space, and I'm, we're going to jump into all that. I know you're very passionate about uh, much of the same things that I am, especially the things we talk about on this channel. But before I do, I'd love to know a little bit of your backstory. How did you get into the health and wellness space? What brought you here and where do you see yourself going with it? Yeah, so my background in um, the health sciences is pretty traditional in terms of uh, taking an educational path. Um, I started out uh, getting my bachelor's degree in health ecology. 
Um, and my goal at that time was to work as, or to go to physical therapy school and work in physical therapy. Um, and during that time I worked in the clinical setting for several years. And, um, right when I was headed to physical therapy school, um, my mom actually had an overdose from opioids and, um, which was caused by a broken medical system. And so I actually wanted to work on that problem and focus on, on the broader uh, medical system and, and help to repair what is broken in that system. So I switched gears and got my master's in public health. And I went on to work for the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention for several years as a health scientist. Um, I worked on all of the responses that the emergency responses that happened while I was there. So I worked on both of the Ebola emergency responses on the Zika response. And I also worked um, just briefly on the coronavirus response before I left a year ago to venture out full-time as an entrepreneur. Um, and in, in, in tandem, I'm also finishing up the, the last two years of my doctoral degree, um, which has been a really long process, six years in the making for that one. Um, and so now um, I focus primarily in my field of research, which is neuropsychophysiology. And uh, my main focus is on women's neuropsychology. So studying the brain and mind of women and actually teaching women how to tap into specific cognitive superpowers that are only available for women. Yeah, and uh, as a happily married man, uh, I'm very aware of those superpowers uh, that uh, often trump any potential superpowers that I might have. Um, so uh, definitely that's something I wanna, I wanna get into with you. Um, and, I, and I find your story interesting and very much in a similar vein of a lot of conversations I've had on this, which is you know, a lot of people who are doing amazing things in the health and wellness space have their own story of the, the, the health system letting them down. In your case, it was your mother, and, you know, and the fact that you've gone on to get so many of so much education in the health space, especially going through that MD process, um, six years in school, you know, I think people underestimate, I mean, how much grit it takes to go through that. And, you know, when I listen to your story, it almost sounds like it's coming from a place like your own perseverance to get this education, to get these credentials comes from just how much you want to reform the system. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, as a woman, um, our medical system really fails us in as a general population as well. And that's because um, I don't know if you're if you're aware of this, but um, the field of health science has a major gap when it comes to women in general. And actually, women of childbearing potential have been banned from clinical research. Um, formally, they were banned from clinical research in the 70s. Before that, they just weren't included already. Um, and that was actually the formal ban was overturned in the 90s, but ever since then, the damage was already done and women have been completely left out of clinical research in most cases. Um, and so what this does for women is it doesn't provide an evidence base like we have for men. 
And all of those really cool biohacking uh, recommendations that you see from your favorite influencer or the influencer who's pushing a certain um, uh, diet and lifestyle, um, if they are evidence-based, if they're looking at the research and pulling from there to educate, they're actually edu their education is geared only towards men or postmenopausal women who no longer experience a female hormone cycle. And so with that, our whole entire medical system is based on research that is done primarily on men. And because of that, women's bodies, women's biology is really largely misunderstood. Um, and even with folks like me who are really diving into women's biology, women's biochemistry, women's neurochemistry, physiology, all of that, it can be hard to find the evidence base because it's very small. Um, and, and so because of that, our whole medical system is really not tailored and geared towards us as women. And it really fails us in so many ways. And the first way that it fails us is that we actually don't even know how to operate these female bodies that we have properly, because we actually don't even understand how they work and function. And so that's where I step in is to teach women about their female biology, teach them how to come into alignment with it and understand how to operate this complex system that we have. Wow. That's so interesting. And can you maybe highlight like, what are, you don't have to go like your top thing or your top five thing, but what is like off the top of your head, the most glaring thing missing from women's health right now? Oh, it's very basic. It's just a basic understanding of our female hormone cycle, our biorhythm, and how it impacts our biology, because this is actually the driver of our entire life. As women, there are two hormones that impact every single thing that we do. It impacts our health. It impacts our cognition. It impacts our ability to communicate with others. It impacts our quality of life. It impacts our energy levels. It impacts our metabolism. Every single thing about us is impacted by the two hormones that drive our entire lives as women. And that is estrogen and progesterone. These are the two most important biochemicals that we have working in our body as women, and they drive our entire life. And so when you look at a man, a man has primarily a 24 hour repeating biorhythm that is dominated and driven by cortisol, our, our waking hormone and melatonin, our sleeping hormone. Right. And so women actually have that same biorhythm because we have the same sleep wake cycle, but our biology is not driven by that one. Our biology is driven by a 28 day ish different for different women cycle that is dominated by estrogen and progesterone. And so the drivers of our lives as women is estrogen and progesterone. So understanding these two key hormones and how they impact our biochemistry, our metabolism, our bioenergetics, and our neurochemistry and brain function is critical to the, our ability to thrive or even operate optimally in our life. And so I would say, that at the very basic level, we need women to understand these basic hormones, how they impact everything about our biology so that we can actually be the drivers of our life and understand how to design a lifestyle 
that comes into balance with the ebb and flow of those hormones throughout a month. That's, I mean, you nailed it. And I see much of the same thing. You know, obviously um, I hope it's obvious. I'm not a woman. And I like, I see this though, so much in the health space where it's the one size fits all uh, diet or the one size fits all drug or the one size fits all supplement, like the keto diet, for instance, you know, not to not pro or against the keto diet. I think it has its place. I've seen plenty of people who do well with it. I've seen even more people who don't do well with it. But when it comes to women doing this diet, like what you said right there, the fact that you have these, you have a 28 day cycle. And for some women, that cycles just all over the place. Right. Um, and these hormones, I mean, they're so much more potent and unpredictable in a woman's body than a man's body. And they're, you know, when you start messing with things like glucose and fat, and so many people do the keto diet where it's like the junk food keto diet, where it's like keto crisps and keto ice cream and keto that and keto this, and they're eating bologna and, and uh, uh, string cheese and all this stuff, right? And they're not even doing that right. And then they're leaving out crucial carbohydrates that they probably need at certain times in their cycle. Um, and then they wonder why they're irregular and why they're moody so much or why they're just tired all the time. Um, so I totally get what you're saying. Oh yeah. You hit the nail on the head. So because a woman's biology and because of her biochemistry changes so significantly throughout the course of a month during each of the four phases of her hormone cycle, which by the way, most women don't even know they have four phases of their hormone cycle, but because her biochemistry changes so significantly during each one of these phases, you could say that a woman is biochemically four different people throughout the course of a month. So if you really think about that, a woman cannot, it's impossible for a woman to thrive in an environment that is repeating and the same day in, day out. Now, a man can really thrive in that environment and men do thrive in that environment. It works really well for them. And that's why typically these really stringent diets, like, like, um, you know, full vegan or full carnivore or keto, strict keto, those things actually work a lot better generally for men because they don't have this ebb and flow. They're not four different people throughout the course of a month, but for women, we actually need to eat in accordance with our biorhythm and with the biochemical changes that are happening within our body, because that actually is what determines our biological needs. And to meet those needs, we need different um, routines, environments, and infrastructures during each of the phases. And so that's why when we look at, it goes broader than just the medical field. It goes broader than just nutrition, exercise, and all of that, right? It actually goes into the world of business and into societal constructs and infrastructures, which even those are designed around a man's repeating daily biorhythm. And so when you plop a woman, for instance, let's say you have, you're talking to a woman CEO, right? And you plop her into her work environment, which is actually an environment that is designed for a man. She will eventually, after repeating the same routines day in and day out and, and in this, um, in this uh, world where we're supposed to grind, right? And work the same every day and be diligent. She will eventually burn out in that, um, in that environment. And that's why we see the statistics that we see now for women in business and in leadership. 
Women only represent between one and 3% of venture capital dollars um, across the board, depending on what state you're looking at. And those same dismal percentages are representative of women in leadership positions across the United States and really across the world, but it's very significant here in the United States. And the reason why is because women cannot thrive in the environments that are provided for them in these working situations. A woman needs, remember, four different environments, infrastructures, and lifestyles to follow, including her routine and her schedule and everything during each phase of her biorhythm for her to actually reach peak performance. And when a woman does this, the cool thing is that this a woman's biorhythm actually holds significant cognitive superpowers that she has access to during each phase of her biorhythm. And so when a woman comes into alignment with her biorhythm, she actually is able to tap into these specific superpowers that can help her to be even more prolific in her endeavors, whatever it is that she's doing in her career and in her life. So can you go into what those superpowers are and, and yeah. what influences them, like why they show up at the times they do? Yes, absolutely. So starting with the first phase and sorry, I'm going to let this siren go by. <laughs> I don't know if you can hear it. <laughs> oh, I can hear it. And it brings me back to my time living in New York where that was just all <laughs> I heard all the time. Yeah. You know, I'm living in a big city in Atlanta, so it happens. Um, but starting, so we'll start with the very first phase, which is one of four of the female biorhythm, which is the menstruation phase. And this is the one that most women are actually very familiar with. And this is the one that they might think is, is what their cycle is, is just this one part of it, but it's only one of four. And so during menstruation, when a woman's hormones are at their lowest level, so again, remember estrogen and progesterone, they're at their very lowest level during the menstruation phase specifically. And so estrogen and progesterone actually interact with our metabolism, with our energy production, and also modulates our brain function. And so what happens when our hormones are at our very lowest level, estrogen and progesterone, our energy levels are naturally lower and our metabolism is also slower during that time. And so our biological needs shift in that phase. So with lower energy, a lower metabolic function, this is actually designed divinely. It's a beautiful design. It, our body is this amazing technology that we really need to learn how to operate properly. But by design, that is our body's way of telling us to slow down and go inward because our cognitive superpower during this time, when we look at the brain scans of women, we can actually measure this is enhanced cognitive empathy, which is a fancy scientific term for intuition. So a woman's intuition is a real thing and it really comes online in a profound way during the menstruation phase, but only if she is able to give her body what it needs and listen to what the cues that her body is giving, which is to slow down and go inward so that she can actually tap into this intuitive insight. And so there's actually a historical um, story that represents this and actually tells the story of how ancient 
tribal cultures knew about the innovative technology of the female biorhythm, and they actually designed their cultures around it so that they could benefit from it. So um, have you ever heard the story of the red tent? No, I have not. Okay. So the red tent, the story of the red tent, some of the women listening may be familiar over time has been misconstrued to be a, a tale about the woes of a woman in her period and how they were shunned to this red tent to go and have their period away from everybody else. But that's actually not what the story is. The true historical story is that ancient in ancient tribal times, all of the women of the tribe would cycle together. Because back then we did not have these stressful lifestyles and we did not have, we weren't out of balance with our biorhythm. We listened to our bodies and we didn't have all of these endocrine disruptors that we have in our environment today. And so all the women had a 28 day cycle and they all had their menstruation phase at the same time. The tribes would viewed this as a very powerful technology. And so because they knew of this benefit that women have during this phase specifically. And so what they would do is all the women of the tribe who were cycling at the same time, they would convene somewhere. Maybe it was a red tent. Maybe it was something else. Who knows? But they would convene and they would actually make the leadership decisions for the tribe for the next 28 day period. So they would decide where resources are best allocated. They would come up with the strategic plans. They would um, be able to forecast and know what is bet what is coming and what is best for the tribe for the next 28 days. And that is how these tribes would thrive. They actually use the female biorhythm as kind of like a GPS system of how to operate the entire tribe and elevate the entire community. And over time, of course, we forgot this about women. And over time, women became out of balance with their biorhythm. And now, only just now, modern science is starting to catch up and see what's this powerful technology that is completely untapped in modern society. And so even when you look at the brain scans of women, you can see that women have this superpower and that women are actually designed for leadership. But as we saw with all of the statistics in business, women are not represented in that way in our modern culture. And that's because they're not being supported and the technology of a woman's biology is completely forgotten. So, um, for instance, one of the largest brain imaging studies ever done um, by Dr. Daniel Amen. I don't know if you're familiar the, of the Amen clinics. So he um, scanned the male and female brains and he scanned 40,000 people. And the differences that he saw between the male and female brain was pretty significant in terms of areas of the brain that have to do with leadership functions. So out of 80 areas studied, 70 areas in the female brain had significantly higher activity. These areas were mostly involved with cognitive functions that have to do with leadership. So decision-making and emotional intelligence, namely. And so now modern science is starting to see that women are designed for leadership and they have these cognitive abilities. Um, but the problem is that we do need to live 
in alignment with our biorhythm so that we can actually start to tap into these superpowers that we have. Okay. That's, that's real. Um, I'm getting this like visual of, because I've heard, I've heard like this story, not what you said, but this idea that in more ancient cultures, women did have more leadership roles. Um, And it almost sounds like, like this hunter gatherer thing is kind of more like, okay, like they say, the man's the hunter, the woman's the gatherer. I think it's more like the woman was gathering ideas and then ordering the man to go do the grunt work. And the man was like, okay, I'll go do the grunt work and just kind of starts hunting for stuff and pulling stuff and brings it back to the woman. The woman, it's like, okay, good. Now go do that. And the man was like, okay, there's something designed to do. Go do that. Go fight a tiger, go kill a bear, go whatever I got to do. Um, and I, I feel like, I feel like that makes a lot of sense in a lot of ways where you're right. Like you do need the, the estrogen and the progesterone to make some more rational decisions because a man driven by testosterone, we're thinking like, okay, there's a door in front of me. How do we get to the other side? I go through the door. A woman, when you've got that kind of, you know, right estrogen balance and you've got that progesterone where you could sit back, the HRV rises a little bit. You can kind of, you know, take more of a meditative state and think, okay, well, how do I get to the other side? If there's a door in front of me, maybe there's a side door. Maybe there's a way to get up over. It almost seems like a more um, like divisive mechanism to use these different ratios of hormones versus a man who's like, I got the testosterone. I'm just going to bang down that door and get in. Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny because men have probably just as profound superpowers, but they're already utilizing them because their environment is set up in a way that's supportive for them. Right. And so that's the difference is that, um, we need masculine leadership and we need feminine leadership. And right now we only have masculine leadership. Once we're able to tap into that feminine leadership, our modern society will be able to evolve faster and come into a place of balance. And so that's because women lead differently than men. So even from a psychological standpoint, when we look at the way that a woman's mind works, women are actually programmed to think for the collective and they think differently than a man does, just like what you were talking about. So when we look back historically, since time began, as far as we understand, uh, women took on these caretaking roles. They were the leaders of their family and or and they cared for their communities. And a lot of times, even in in their careers, they would have these caretaker roles. So passed down through generations epigenetically into a woman's psyche is firmly planted ideas around um, the consideration of others and thinking for the collective, because that is a way that is the way that the woman's subconscious mind works. And so women unknowingly don't are unable to make fully selfish decisions unless they're aware of this, but most women are not because they're always going to be in consideration of the collective. So if you think about the way that your female counterparts work, and if I think about the way that I make decisions, I am always in careful consideration of how every decision I make is going to impact the people around me. I'm also always concerned about the, how, what I say and the decisions that I make and how I move through the world 
how it will make other people feel. And so this is what actually makes women great leaders and feminine leadership different than masculine leadership. However, a lot of times what we see is that ends up being a limiting construct that women um, actually allow to limit their progression, especially in career, because a lot of times they'll be afraid to ask for what they want or what they need, or they'll be afraid to ask for the money. They'll be afraid to ask for the raise. They'll be afraid to ask for the partnership or the promotion or whatever that they know that they want, need, and deserve, but they don't want to, um, harm anybody else. And so they hold back and they don't ask for what they want and they need. Men don't have this limitation because that kind of caretaker role has not been planted into their subconscious in the same way. And so men have typically not as many issues asking for what they want and what they need, and they can go ahead and go for what they want. Um, And so so it's a little bit of a different uh, energy when it comes to how men and women lead, but women really have to become aware of not only their biology, but also their subconscious programming, what has been passed down to them so that they can overcome, utilize it when it, when it um, supports them and they can, you know, put that to a side when it doesn't support them and actually go after what it is that they want, need and, and deserve. Wow. Yeah. I, that's, that's so interesting. You know, this, this idea, because it's like, we're in this new world where, um, where we are trying to figure out how do we get women in leadership positions? Right. And I think the problem comes where we're trying to force it. Like when we say we have to have uh, a quota of women who are in leadership positions, but I think the true leadership comes from those women. And I've met those women. Um, I know there's those women out there who are strong and who are go-getters and who aren't afraid to ask for what they want. Um, and it's kind of sounds like what you're saying is that if women just understood how to best utilize this hormonal cycle that they have, um, and that comes with lifestyle and, you know, of course, diet and the things you put in and on your body, um, I think you could raise an entire generation of much more assertive, stronger leadership oriented women. Oh, absolutely. And you know, it, it, and it doesn't need to be forced because it will happen naturally. If we shift our societal infrastructures and constructs, if we shift our business uh, constructs and infrastructures and environments to actually support a woman's biology, right? Remember that a woman is four different people throughout the course of a month with four different sets of needs. So just understanding that one basic component about a woman, if we could actually shift our infrastructures to support that, meaning providing flexibility for women to operate differently during each phase or during each phase of their hormone cycle. If we can allow that flexibility and then educate women how to actually create a lifestyle in alignment with their biorhythm, then we would naturally see feminine leadership rise. We would see a lot more women coming into the business world and thriving and stepping into leadership positions. Wow. Now let's kind of move 
sidestep a little bit uh, from like leadership and business success into Mm -hmm. mood because, you know, I would imagine this biorhythm plays a lot into woman's mood. Um, I see, and I've met a lot of women who deal with depression, especially anxiety. Um, And, you know, I I don't think most, I I know most doctors don't get it. You know, they're, they're prescribed the antidepressants, they're prescribed the, you know, the benzos, the, um, the opiates, all these different things. So how would a woman best use this biorhythm and her own neuro uh, psychology to get the most, to, to, to upgrade her mood, to get out of the depression, to stop feeling so anxious? How, how does, how does a woman do that? Yeah, exactly. So the first step is for her to understand exactly what's happening biochemically, physiologically, and neurochemically in her body during each of the phases. It's a complex process, but once a woman understands all of the changes that happen, she'll actually understand how to create a lifestyle that is in alignment with those changes. And all of those things that you mentioned, depression, anxiety, even PMS, those are not normal functions of a woman. That is a sign of dysfunction. All of those things are signs of dysfunction, even things like cramps or heavy periods, um, mood swings. All of that stuff is signs of dysfunction and can be completely avoided if we live a lifestyle that's in alignment with our biorhythm. So just to give a quick example, so um, during menstruation, when our hormones are at their lowest level, what we see is that our mood boosting neurochemicals, serotonin, oxytocin, and dopamine that you had mentioned before, they are also at a lower level during that time. So our mood can be a little bit lower during that time, but that's actually natural and normal and something to lean into instead of fight against. And so again, remember if our biology is telling us go inward, slow down, be reflective during this time, then we could actually utilize our neurochemistry to benefit us instead of trying to push through and be happy and be expressive and be energetic when that's not naturally happening for us. And so that's, uh, that's the start of the dysfunction. And then from there, for instance, going into the next phase, which is the follicular phase, as our estrogen rises, which steadily rises throughout the follicular phase, what happens is that we see those mood boosting neurochemicals start to increase as well. So as our energy increases, our mood increases naturally, and we're able to be more outwardly focused. We're able to engage more with others effectively. And in fact, when we look at the brain function and how it's modulated in the follicular phase, we see that our emotional intelligence increases as well, which makes sense when our energy increases, our mood increases, our emotional intelligence increases. This is a sign that we are supposed to be interacting with other people during this time period. It's a great time for us to be working with others and interacting with others. So this happens throughout the entire female hormone cycle. There are specific changes that happen with our brain function and with our, our mood boosting neurochemicals and the other neurotransmitters, um, that actually impact our mood, but it's a matter of learning how to go with the flow instead of fighting against it. So lean into what's happening naturally and don't fight against it because that's where we see the dysfunction come in. And can we talk a little bit about, 
um, these endocrine disrupting chemicals, because, you know, I, I hear a lot and I've researched a lot about endocrine disrupting chemicals for men and how it's, it's crushing testosterone and infertility is a problem. But I think women probably get it even worse because I mean, you're physically putting endocrine disrupting chemicals all over your body. Like the amount of makeup that I see women wearing that, I mean, has lead, aluminum, all this stuff in it. Uh, I mean, those are the metals. Then the chemicals come in with, you know, all the stuff, then you got the diet and then you got alcohol, you got cannabis, you got the drugs, the antidepressants, all this stuff. So like, maybe you could talk a little bit about like this environmental impact that we're seeing. And if, if there's any difference between, you know, or if you know of any research that shows like differences in rates of depression in women now versus maybe even like 30, 40 years ago. Mm. Um, I mean, yeah, the rates of depression for women have already have always been basically double what it is for a man anxiety as well. And other mood disorders, the same thing we see. Um, and I think it does have a, it has a lot to do with what you're saying. Um, and this, the rates of depression for women has definitely been steadily increasing over the past 30 years or so um, that we can just see in the general statistics. I mean, literally, if you just search depression on CDC's website, you'll see these patterns and how it, how it's increasing over time. Um, and it definitely has to do with our environment. It definitely has to do with what we're putting in and on our bodies. And so, but I wouldn't say that it's necessarily um, more impactful for women than men. I think both women and men have this environmental endocrine disrupting impact. And that's why we see all of these chronic diseases. We see more cancers. We see more obesity and diabetes. We see all of these things across the board, men and women. Um, but women have this other, this other aspect that's, that is um, also not working for them. So they have all those endocrine disruptors, the same ones that you're mentioning, which are just rampant in everything that we use. But even when we become very conscious of all of that, and we do our best to eliminate all the endocrine disruptors, living out of alignment with our biorhythm is an endocrine disruptor in and of itself. Mm. That is, that has the biggest impact on our hormone cycle. And because we're out of alignment, we're more stressed. And because we're more stressed, we're taking more things that are disrupting our, our chemistry. And that also tied with women go on hormone replacement therapy as early as 12 years old. And that's very standard in the American society with birth control is hormone replacement therapy. And I don't think women are educated that that is what what birth control is. They don't even understand that they are actually having a lifelong impact on their on their hormones and on their entire biorhythm and their biochemistry by taking these hormone replacement therapies starting at a really young age. And a lot of times we will take them for, you know, many, many years of our life. And this also has a huge impact. So women have kind of like three things battling against them. Whereas men traditionally only have, you know, this one thing, which is the same one that we all share, which is everything in the environment and the food in our lifestyles that are disrupt our, these chemicals um, that disrupt our hormones. But then women also have, you know, these cultural things. So culturally it's normal for women to take birth control. And then culturally, it's normal for women not to live a lifestyle in alignment with their biorhythm because they 
the whole scientific society and um, even our communities and society at large doesn't understand a woman and doesn't understand what a woman needs. And so of course they're not supportive of it. Wow. Yeah. It's, it's so true. It's like, we're just chemistry labs. That's what our bodies are. They're chemistry labs. And especially if you give such a potent substance, like birth control to a 12 year old girl, who's you know, just now coming into menstruation and these hormones start circulating and now she's got to deal with that. And, but at the same time, you're like completely mixing the beaker up and, you know, like throwing all this other stuff in there. And then, yeah, we just don't like, I don't know if there's been research done that, that correlates any like, um, you know, long-term birth control with these things like depression, anxiety, but I would imagine there has to be some, definitely some influence there. There's a lot coming out um, actually recently um, around the long-term impact of these hormone replacement therapies on women later on in their life. And the biggest thing what we're seeing is huge amounts of cancer and a lot of estrogen dominance, which causes all kinds of other issues going on in the body. But, but these, um, these unhealthy estrogens are actually what are perpetuating these cancers like breast cancer and cervical cancer. And so we're seeing a lot more of that happen in our female population. The estrogen dominance thing is that that's such a fascinating topic because it affects men and women. Um, but estrogen is such, it's such a powerful, hormone. I mean, you know, testosterone and progesterone uh, obviously are as well, but estrogen like could so just, you could almost tell when somebody is estrogen dominant, like you'd look at them man or woman, and you could almost know like that guy's got, or that girl's got just way too much estrogen going on because it, 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 you wear it, you know, you wear it like a t-shirt. Well, yeah, you know, and estrogen is created from our um, fat cells as well. And so people who are obese are naturally going to have higher levels of estrogen. And a lot of um, people who are morbidly obese have estrogen dominance. So it's kind of like a vicious cycle. It feeds, it's kind of the chicken or the egg thing. Yeah. Yep. Are you seeing, uh, you know, at least in your experience, you worked for the uh, CDC for a while. Now you're getting into, you know, medicine. Are you seeing PCOS um, as a as a major problem for women right now? Absolutely. It's it's rampant. Um, You know, you can you can you can't throw a rock without hitting a woman who has PCOS these days, which we don't recommend doing, by the way. Don't do (laughs) that. Don't throw rocks at women with PCOS. Definitely not. Um, but it is, it's running rampant and, and it's has an impact on her life from that point forward. So, you know, it, and it's a result of all of these same things that we're talking about. I think if women can really get this education from a young age, so think back to like when you got sex education or reproductive health education in elementary school, middle school, high school, whatever, if you ever even got it. Um, We were never taught about our female biorhythm and hormone cycle. I didn't get any education about that at all. And I, got formal education and higher education in the health sciences, specifically studying biochemistry and studying biology and all of these things. And 
I never got any education about my female biorhythm, which is crazy, absurd. And it's just, it's not okay. Um, and young women really need this education from the time that they are receiving this sex education from the time that their hormones start to change and come online, you know, as early as eight years old, now it's happening. And so women really need that education from that young age so that they can understand how to operate their body and support their body in the most appropriate way. And if that happens, we will see all of these things, like even everything from PMS to PCOS to cancer, these rates will come down significantly. So in your opinion, um, and this, obviously we're not talking one size fits all. Obviously we're not, we're not giving medical advice, but are there any supplements or nootropics or biohacking gadgets, doohickeys, things, red light panels, whatever it is that you really think, uh, most women should be doing, or, or you think are really good for women? Um, I think that yes, but I think it, there are different things that she should be doing in each phase of mm -hmm. her hormone cycle. So during certain phases doing, um, you know, more restorative practices like red light therapy, meditation, um, getting massage, that kind of a thing is going to be better during certain phases. And then doing things like using nootropics to actually enhance our cognition and drinking coffee and doing, you know, the whole bulletproof coffee and, um, doing like the Pomodoro method with our schedule, those kind of hacks are more appropriate during other phases. And so women just have to be, they, first of all, if they understand, understand their biology and they understand their biorhythm, then they know how to place these biohacks in the best way. And so for me, I take a different supplement stack in each phase of my hormone cycle. Mm. I use different kinds of biohacks during each phase of my hormone cycle. And that allows me to operate at my peak during all phases and not have to deal with these symptoms like anxiety, depression, mood swings, energy dips, brain fog, um, you know, cramps and uh, PMS. I don't deal with any of that stuff because I am living in partnership with my body. Can you maybe give an example of, uh, you know, a supplement or two that you take and, and what phase that you take that in? Yeah, sure. So, um, specifically during the follicular phase that we talked a little bit about where estrogen is rising and our energy levels are coming up and our mood chemicals are changing, right. And our neurochemistry is changing and our brain function is changing. It's actually appropriate during that time to use something like nootropics. And so, um, you know, my favorite nootropics are alpha GPC. I also like Nupept. Um, I like choline is, is my all time favorite. And I get those from egg yolks. Um, and so using your, your mood boosting supplements during that phase would be more appropriate than using it. Like for instance, during the menstruation phase, when you're supposed to be naturally have a lower energy level. You're supposed to be naturally a lower, like less outwardly focused mood, and you're supposed to be focusing inward. And so that's one example of how I can specifically apply these biohacks to where I am with my, with my biochemistry and neurochemistry. 
Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. I'm thinking about it now and I'm thinking about like, okay, during menstruation, maybe something like ashwagandha, phosphatidylserine, you know, bacopa moniere, it would be good. And then, you know, you're right, like those choline rich um, supplements, you know, those things that get your brain just firing where you're really like active. Um, Yeah, that's that's such good, good stuff. Um, Now, can you tell me a little bit about uh, by BioCurious, what that is? Uh, so BioCurious is my health and wellness education brand, and um, it is uh, mostly just focused around educating people to take responsibility of their own health and wellness and empowering people to, um, to know, you know, go along with this biohacking movement where it's all about self-experimentation. It's all about um, having an understanding of our biology and actually taking our health into our own hands. That's cool. Yeah. I have like this real like love hate relationship with, with the biohacking community, but the people who are doing it right, like yourself, where you really break it, like to me, biohacking is like, let's get down to the specifics. Like you say, there's these different phases for a woman and then there's these different supplements and practices and kind of way of living. Like to me, that's real biohacking. And that's, uh, that's so cool, you know, actually getting into a person's biology, physiology, and specifically timing it to get the most out of a person. That's really cool. Oh yeah. Well, you know, um, our, our female hormone cycle is actually the greatest biohack. It's the one that we're all looking for to have the biggest impact and running around and trying all these different things and buying all these gadgets and supplements and all this stuff, but coming into alignment with our biorhythm is the most profound biohack that we have. And, you know, it's a, it's a leg up on the other half of the population. Yeah. And you know, you got me thinking now about like other stuff too, where it's like, okay, like if a girl goes on a date with a guy and she's like, ah, I wasn't feeling that guy. Well, maybe it just wasn't the right phase for you. Maybe go out with that guy in another phase. And maybe he he's got something that really gets you going that phase. And then maybe just have like a cyclical relationship. Now I make sense. Like why all the girls I dated always had like four boyfriends, you know, it was like one for each phase. There you uh, go. Actually, that'd be great. No, <laughs> uh, I, I don't know about that. But what I would say is, is you, when you actually come into partnership with your body and you understand what your body is communicating to you, you will actually understand when is going to be the best time to go on dates in general, when you can actually make that best decision. Um, so it's, it kind of, it just goes across every aspect of life. It really amplifies every, um, decision and every ability that we have as women and our biorhythm is the key to all of it. That's really cool. Well, that's a great note to end on. Kayla, thank you so much for joining me today on the Holistic Nootropics podcast. I know, uh, like, I love this podcast. I'm sure all the women loving uh, listening to this podcast will love it. And I think the dudes are going to get a lot out of this as well. Uh, Yeah, if if any of the ladies who are listening are interested in going deeper and getting an education about their biorhythm, you can check out herbiorhythm.com. And um, there's a program there that is open right now. Enrollment is open. And actually um, there's special enrollment going on right now where um, it is less than half the price that it normally is for an entire year of enrollment. So definitely check that out and take advantage of it. And, um, And also if you go there, you can grab a free ultimate women's biorhythm guide um, that has all kinds of information that will help you in this journey. 
That's great. And I'll go ahead when we uh, publish this, I'll make a whole page for it. I'll put links to that in the podcast notes and all the podcast players on YouTube. So people will be able to find you. Um, Kayla, thank you so much for joining me today. Listener, viewer, go check out the show. uh, Check out the show notes at holisticnotropics.com. Follow Kayla, sign up, get her coaching. You're going to love it. Obviously she sold it right here, there, and then. Um, (laughs) Thank you so much for listening and watching everybody. Enjoy the rest of your day. Be sure to go through the entire Holistic Nootropics library if you're new here, and we'll catch you on the next one. Peace. Thanks for listening. For more brain-boosting info, in-depth articles, and show notes, check out holisticnootropics.com. 